Amen. Amen. Welcome to our worship service here at First Church in New Knoxville. We're so glad you've decided to join us as we worship our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ together. We especially want to welcome those that are listening on the radio today. Uh, thank you to Reagan Hirschfeld who played our offering for us last week and we're excited to have Olivia Lammer sharing her talents with us today during the offering. Uh, tonight at 7 p.m. is the night. Uh, we have our praise and prayer night, uh, something we've been looking forward to for a little while here now. Um, and the day is finally here. Uh, so I invite all of you to come back here tonight in the sanctuary at 7 p.m. for a time of, of praise and worship led by our praise team. Uh, we're going to have scripture readings, some opportunities to pray together. Uh, but really it's going to be a time dedicated to just focusing on worshiping the Lord together. And so I really hope you're able to join us. Again, that goes for, for people of all ages um, and people from the community. Anybody and everybody is welcome to come and join us. So if you're listening on the radio or watching on Facebook and you'd like to come and join us here at First Church, you are invited to do that as well. And it is at 7 p.m. here in the sanctuary. This Wednesday is the Junior and Senior High Youth Group Splash Bash. That'll be happening from 7 to 8.30 p.m. And it'll be taking place in the back lot at the Parsonage. So not here at the church, but over at the Parsonage at, on Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. Come for a time of fun games um, and wear something that can get wet and messy, right? That's the plan. So don't wear your nice church clothes on Wednesday night. Show up ready to have some fun time playing games outside at the Parsonage. Uh, there is also uh, information in the bulletin about our next wonderful Wednesday meal, which is Wednesday, August 25th. Uh, so if, if you'd like to know what's being served for dinner that night, feel free to check out the bulletin for more information. And again, that's an event that anybody and everybody's invited to. So if you'd like to enjoy a free meal, um, stop by the church on Wednesday, August 25th from 6 to 7 p.m. Um, if you are a person in the community who'd like a meal delivered to you, we'd be, be happy to do that as well. Uh, just reach out to the church office um, if you're not on our list already, and we'd be happy to reach out to you with a, with a free meal that Wednesday night as well. With that being said, I encourage you to check out the bulletin for other announcements that might pertain to you. But if you're able, I invite you to stand and join us for a call to worship. Our call to worship this morning is Psalm 16, beginning in verse 1. Keep me safe, my God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. Apart from you, I have no good thing. I say of the holy people who are in the land... They are the noble ones in whom is all my delight. Those who run after other gods will suffer more and more. I will not pour out libations of blood to such gods or take up their name on my lips. Lord, you alone are my portion and my cup. You make my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. I keep my eyes always on the Lord, and I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body will rest secure, because you will not abandon me in the realm of the dead, nor will you let your faithful ones see decay. You make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. I invite you to remain standing this morning as we sing our first praise song together, Reckless Love.
Amen. You may be seated. This time, I want to invite all the children that are here with us this morning to come forward for our children's shout with Miss Carolyn Lammers. Morning. Grant, you want to help me this morning? Okay. Got some more coming down? Ben, you want to help me? No. You're going to help me. Going to help me? Here, I want you to hold this picture. Can you hold that? Hold that up. What's on that? We've got to have a contest. There's Jesus standing in front of the door knocking. What is that door missing? Come over here and look at it real close. A handle. You just took my whole talk away. It's missing the handle, isn't it? Did you see that? Here, come and look. Where's the doorknob? Where is the doorknob? How's, it, how's Jesus going to get in there? Huh? Huh? Who's going to open it? Yeah, we have to open the door. You also notice, I don't expect you to notice, the way this is hinged, it won't open outside. It opens inside. Okay, so we have no doorknob. So the only person who can open the door is the person who is inside. That's right. You want to hold that there? That is a very important thing for us to know. Now, all your doors at home have handles, right? Unless there's a room you're not supposed to be in. Then it might be missing. Hmm? So Jesus said in one of the verses that's going to be read today, he said, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with you and you will eat with me. The only thing that's going to let Jesus into this room is the person on the inside opening it. And it's the same way with our heart. When we ask Jesus to go into our heart, is he, he's going to knock. He says, I'm here. I'm here when there's bad times and good times. I'm the way and the truth and the light. Who's going to open the door to our hearts? We are. We have to open it. Because he's not going to bust his way in, is he? He's going to leave it up to us to decide if we want Jesus to come into our heart. And that makes it really, really special because we have to want him in there for him to come in. That's why there's a big, famous painting like this, too, from 1600s. So this has been something that's been out there a long time. So what do you know now? For Jesus to get into the heart, who has to open your heart door? Us, you guys have to do that. That is so, so awesome. So you listen today, and you see if that verse comes out, okay? Let's say a prayer. Dear God, thank you for sending Jesus to die for us, that we can have eternal life with you. Please soften our hearts so that we always be open to him when he comes knocking. Give us courage and strength to follow him, especially when we are having problems. Thank you for loving and caring for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
you can keep it. There's color sheets if you're interested. Amen. Thank you, Carolyn. Thanks, kids. This time as we turn our attention towards the offering, I just want to take a moment. It's going to go to support the Global Mission Fund, which is a fund we have here at First Church uh, to try to encourage and support uh, missions from our own church family uh, and, and what God may be calling them to do. So uh, this is a fund that's been used multiple times in the past to support individuals and groups that have gone on mission projects. And so the offering today is going to support that and further that cause uh, and into what we may use it for in the future. So um, encourage you to give towards that. As we also think about prayer this morning, I want to encourage you to be in prayer for our praise and prayer night this evening. As well as what's going on in the world. Um, for those of you who saw the news, there was another earthquake uh, in Haiti, I believe. Uh, and there was, last I saw, I think the, the total was at least 270 are confirmed dead at this point. So another tragic uh, situation in our world that could certainly use our prayer. As well as the wildfires that are still happening out west. Um, these are all opportunities for us as the body of Christ to pray, to lift up our voices to God and pray on behalf of these people who are in need. So I encourage you to do that um, as we pray together this morning. So this time we are going to have, as I mentioned, Olivia Lammers will be providing special music during the offering, and I want to invite the deacons to come forward to collect our offering at this time.
And if you're able, I invite you to continue standing with us as we sing our next hymn, number 372 in your blue hymnals, Living for Jesus.
Hear these words from Philippians chapter 4, beginning in verse 4. It says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all, for the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Father God, we come to you now and we come to you in, to do exactly what these verses say. To, with prayer, with, in every situation, with thanksgiving, we present our request to you. And Lord, we, we ask for your will to be done. We ask that you would work according to your good and perfect and pleasing will. And Lord, we ask that you would help us to experience the peace of God which transcends all understanding. Lord, you give peace not as the world gives. Peace isn't the absence of conflict or the absence of problems, but it's the sure confidence and hope and trust in you despite what we are going through. The confidence to know that you are still God and that you are still good, that Jesus, you are still king no matter what we experience in this life, that your goodness and your faithfulness are not dependent upon our circumstances. And so, Lord, we rejoice today. We rejoice no matter what we face because we know that you will never leave nor forsake your people and that in you we will have all of our needs met. And so, Lord, we come before you now and we ask that you would be with the many, many people and families that have been affected by this earthquake and the wildfires that are happening. We ask, Lord, for healing for those that are hurt. We ask for peace and strength and comfort for those who've lost loved ones or in the case of some in situations lost everything, Lord, property, their homes, their farms. We ask for you to be with the first responders and firefighters and others who are offering care at this time, that you would strengthen them in the good work that they are doing. And Lord, even in times like this, Lord, we ask that you would be glorified and that your people, your church, would be the hands and feet of Christ in these situations that you would work through your people to provide for what is needed. Lord, as we gather again, as we gather this morning and again tonight, we ask for your blessing upon our time of worship. Lord, we are here to worship you and you alone. We are here to sing your praises, to hear from your word, to lift up our prayers to you. And so both this morning and again this evening, we ask that you'd help us to set aside any distractions and and have hearts and minds that are fully focused on you. And that you would use our, our time of worship to draw people to yourself. That you would be glorified. Lord, we also pray for those in authority as your word calls us to do. Um, oh, we also, Lord, uh, before that, we also want to pray for the family, uh, the Webker family, Lord, on this tragedy that happened. Uh, the three brothers being lost on the farm. We just ask for your again a peace that passes understanding to be with that family lord we can't imagine what they are going through right now uh, we just ask for your spirit to move and your spirit to work in that family's life and so lord we also pray for those in authorities your word calls us to do and this day we pray for our local uh local governments we pray for the village of new knoxville uh, we pray for Auglaise county and we pray, Lord, that you would work in and through our elected officials and representatives and pray, Lord, again, for your wisdom that passes all under, that your wisdom, Lord, um, to be with these people, that they would have a hunger and thirst after your righteousness and that they would be satisfied. 
Lord, we pray all these things according to the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. We give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Our scripture reading this morning comes from the book of Revelation, chapter 3, verses 14 through 22. To the angel of the church in Laodicea write, These are the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So, because you are lukewarm, neither hot or cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. You say, I am rich, I have acquired wealth, and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so that you can become rich, and white clothes to wear so that you can cover your shameful nakedness, and salve to put on your eyes so you can see. Those whom I love I rebuke and discipline, so be earnest and repent. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat with my father on his throne. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Together again. Father God, as we turn our attention to your word now, we ask for your Uh, Spirit to guide us. I pray that Holy Spirit you would open our hearts and minds to uh, what you have to say to us today And I pray that you would give me words to speak words of truth words of comfort uh, Words of of challenge and edification Lord for your people here this morning. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen So this week uh, Marvel released a new show on Disney plus for those of you guys who aren't familiar uh, or have been living under a rock for the past 15 or so years uh, Marvel is is one of the largest entertainment um, uh, Venues or not venues um, Industries in the in the industry right now, right? They have everything going from their own by Disney They have all these superhero movies and it started back in 2008 I think it was with Iron Man and they've gone right down the list and it's been amazing and I'm a nerd as you know So I love them and I'd love to watch the movies and they've been releasing Disney shows or TV shows this year on Disney plus Well, the one that started this week is entitled what if And the whole premise of this show is to look back at different major events throughout all these movies they've released over the last decade plus and ask the question, what if something happened differently than it did? Change one thing in a major event and then just kind of tell the story about what could have happened differently in that way. And so this week's episode was about what if Captain America, what if Steve Rogers didn't become Captain America? What if something went wrong and he was not able to be Captain America and somebody else had to take his place, Agent Carter. So it's just an interesting show, interesting premise. It asks that question that we all ask sometimes, what if? What if something were different? What if that one event in my life happened differently? What if I had something now that I didn't have before? What if I don't have something now 
that I used to have. Right? It's a question that can just plague our minds, right? And we can, we can roll it over, over, and over again, each scenario playing out differently. And, and that sort of question can kind of nag at us. Let me ask that question just in a slightly different way. Not what if I had something or what if something happened differently. But let me ask you this question. How would you fill in the blank? If only I had this, if only I had blank, then I'd finally be happy. If I only had enough money, I'd finally be happy. If only I had better health, I would finally be happy. If only I had a better marriage or better kids, then I'd finally be happy. The answer to that question, right, whatever you fill the blank in, fill, fill the blank with, that's the thing that you're putting your hope in. That's the thing in this life that you think is going to save you, that you think is going to make all the difference in the world. That if you just had that one thing, whatever it is, it would make all the difference. Let me challenge you a little bit this morning. I know I'm starting off strong here, but let me challenge you already here. If Jesus isn't the thing that you need, then we need to wake ourselves up a little bit. Right? If Jesus isn't the ultimate answer to that question, then we're missing something important. Jesus, in the last of these letters to the seven churches, is writing to a church who thought they had things all together. They thought they were rich. They thought they were powerful. They thought they were self-sufficient. Yet Jesus points out the glaringly obvious need they have, which is a relationship with him. So let's dig into this text here and see what it means for us, what we can learn from the, the church in Laodicea and what Jesus is trying to tell us today. Well, of all the, seven church, all the seven letters here that we've been studying, this one is probably the most famous. This is the one you've probably heard quoted most often. And it starts off here. Jesus tells them that, they, that he wishes they would rather be either hot or cold, one or the other, but instead they are lukewarm. Now, both hot and cold are useful, right? And in the, if any of you have ever, I know many of you have stopped in the office during the week, I always have a cup of coffee, always, probably too much coffee during the week. And, and I always have a cup sitting on my desk. But the problem is, right, sometimes that hot cup of coffee does not stay hot for long. You get distracted, you're doing other things, and absentmindedly I'll reach out and grab that cup of coffee and take a sip, expecting it to be hot, and it's not. It's lukewarm, and it is gross, right? That is not what you were, not, not what I was expecting. Now, the interesting thing about coffee is that hot coffee is delicious and good and wonderful. Cold coffee can be delicious, good and wonderful, but lukewarm coffee, and I see some people nodding along with me, is not what you want to have on your desk when you're looking for something to drink. So Jesus says here, he says he wishes that they would either be hot or cold, but instead they are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold. Right? And, and this is a, a, a scenario that the church in Laodicea would have been very familiar with. You see, there are a couple of towns just a few miles away from Laodicea that had natural spring, a source of, their source of water was a natural spring. There was a town about six miles away called Hierapolis, and they had hot, natural hot springs. The water comes out of there about 95 degrees. And so those hot waters were very beneficial, especially for 
uh, medicinal purposes, right? That hot water could have been used to help people to heal, um, could have been used for that purpose. There was another town not too far away called Colossae, and they had cold springs that were often very refreshing, right, to have that cold water to drink. Laodicea, unfortunately, had neither. And over time, they tried to they tried to use an irrigation system to get that water, that hot water and that cold water to Laodicea to use. But you know what happened by the time it arrived there? It was already lukewarm. The hot water had lost its usefulness. That cold water had lost its usefulness. Instead, it was just lukewarm water that arrived in Laodicea that was not useful for much. I think Jesus is trying to tell the church in Laodicea something about about their spot in that community, in that town. The church in Laodicea, Laodicea, Laodicea provided neither spiritual healing for the spiritually sick nor rest for the spiritually weary. Right? They had an opportunity to be the hands and feet of Christ there, to be either, you know, to be useful, to be used by God for something great, yet they were lukewarm. They weren't doing that. I think there are many, many Christians today who are lukewarm in a very similar way. Christians who are either asleep or Christians who are apathetic. You know, if you're asleep, some people are going through life and they never realize their need for God or never realize that God is wanting to use them to make an impact in this world. They're so distracted by the world or the things of this world. They're so comfortable that they never get to a point where they turn to God and trust in him. And those are people that just simply don't know their need for Christ. They're asleep. But then on the other hand, there are people who are apathetic towards God. They may know about Jesus. They've heard the good news of the gospel. They may even know about him in their head, but never do anything about it. They just don't care. They choose the things of this world rather than putting their faith in Christ. And you see that the way that Jesus uh, goes after this church in Laodicea, that's a problem they were having too. They thought they were rich. They thought they had it all together. He says, you say you are rich and I've acquired wealth and do not need a thing, but you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. Right? I mean, that is just, those are some strong words right there. They thought they had everything they needed, but yet they were lacking in the thing that mattered the most. They had a false sense of sufficiency instead of relying on Christ for their needs, whether out of ignorance or apathy or both, clothed, but they were really naked. They thought they had everything, but they really had nothing. And so what's Jesus' reaction to these sorts of Christians, to the church in Laodicea who is lukewarm and self-sufficient? He spits them out of his mouth. Ouch. Right? I mean, just think of how vivid of an image that is of Jesus spitting this lukewarm water out of his mouth. It's a sign of of disgust, right? Harsh words that are meant to communicate something very, very powerful. Jesus wants nothing to do with lukewarm people. And so that's the problem, right? That's, that's, the, that's what Jesus is calling them out there for. And, and that's a problem that we sometimes face today, right? We are sometimes asleep apathetic and lukewarm. So there's a solution here that Jesus outlines for us. 
And he says there's three things that we should do. Instead of being self-sufficient and trying to rely on ourselves to meet our needs, he says we need to come to him in order to buy three things. And the first thing he says we need from him is gold refined with fire. So you can become rich. Right? They thought they were rich by the world standards, but they, real, but they didn't realize that true wealth isn't money in a bank. True wealth isn't having all of your physical or material needs met. True wealth is to know Christ and to be in a relationship with him and have a faith and trust in him in whatever circumstances you find. And it's gold that's refined by fire. Right? Gold that's refined by fire becomes even more valuable, even more pure, because all of, the, all of the junk that was in there is burned away and destroyed, and all that's left is the pure, good, valuable gold. The same happens with us in our lives. As we learn to trust in Jesus, it doesn't mean our problems are going to go away, but it means that he can use our circumstances to refine us so that we learn to trust him more, so that we learn to depend on him more and not on ourselves. That's why James in chap- James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4 can say this. He says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work in you, so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. That sounds crazy, doesn't it? Consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. Right? That doesn't make any sense unless you view it View your circumstances, view your life, view your trials the way that Jesus wants us to view them. And those are opportunities to trust him more, opportunities to depend on him more rather than ourselves. And when we do that, he produces in us a mature and complete faith that lacks nothing. This promise of gold is also a promise to meet all of our needs. In Philippians 4.19, Paul says, My God will meet all of your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Again, that's a a great promise, but we have to know what it means in context. He's not going to meet all our needs in in a a material way. I mean, he does, but but that's not the main point of this passage. It's a difference between our needs and our wants. We think we know what we need in this life. We think we need a big bank account, a nice retirement plan, a roof over our heads, or food in the fridge. And those are all good things, don't get me wrong. But what we really need in this life is Jesus. We need to know him, have a relationship with him, trust him as our Lord and Savior. Those other things are good and necessary, but if you have Jesus, you have everything you need. And Matthew 6.33 is... Jesus is teaching in the Sermon on the Mount about what it means to trust in him and not worry about, uh, about our provision and not worry about the things that we'll eat or the clothes that we'll wear. Jesus tells him this, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Our, Jesus will meet all of our needs when we trust in him. The second thing he says we need are, are white clothes to wear so that we can cover our shameful nakedness there's a theme that runs throughout scripture but it starts all the way back in genesis 3 this connection between shame and 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 sinfulness and nakedness you see that in the garden right when in genesis 3 when sin first enters the world the first thing that adam and eve noticed is that they were naked and they hid themselves right when g when when jesus when god came walking in the garden 
to talk with them and calls out to them. They go and they hide because they were naked and afraid. And that's a theme that gets picked up through the prophets in the Old Testament and here again in Revelation, right? The, the sin is a stain, right? It's a, it's a sickness that infects us to our very core and we cannot hide it, we cannot cover it up, and we cannot undo it no matter how hard we try. So what is the solution? We don't, it's not cover yourselves up, but it's that we need to get white clothes to wear from Jesus, A righteousness that does not come from ourselves, but comes through faith in him. You guys ever heard that there's a term that our Bible uses called atonement? And it's one of those, I think it's always fun to pause for a moment and think about some of these words that we sometimes hear when we are reading the Bible, but don't use in everyday life because when was the last time you talked about atoning for something, right? It's not something we often use. But to, to atone for something or an atonement it, the, at the root of that word means to cover up, right? To atone for something is to cover something up, to, to almost remove the, well, the way we use it in Scripture is to remove the guilt and shame of sin. So on the Day of Atonement in the Old Testament, the, the priest would offer sacrifices uh, to, for all of the people to cover their sin, to atone for their sin. And that's exactly what Jesus has done for us on the cross. In Romans chapter 3, beginning in verse 22, it says, There is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of blood to be received by faith. Right? There's the key there. We these, these white clothes that, that Jesus is promising us point to the righteousness and the forgiveness that we receive from Christ. We can't cover up our own sin, right? We can't fix the problems ourselves, so we need to turn to the one who can. Jesus, who offered himself up as a sacrifice of atonement for our sins. But Jesus does more than cover up our sins. In fact, the Bible makes it clear that he doesn't just cover them up. He removes them. They're gone and he remembers them no more. Psalm 103 talks about how as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is the Father's love for us. As far as the east is from the west, so far he has separated our sins from us. So means he has removed our sins, not just covered them up, but have, has removed them. And I love Isaiah 43:25. Again, it's Isaiah 43:25. This is the Lord speaking. He says, I, even I, am the one who blots out your transgressions for my own sake and remembers your sins no more. Now think about what God is saying there and how amazing that is. He says that he remembers our sins no more. That God chooses when, when we put our trust in him and our faith in him and we receive and experience his forgiveness and grace, he chooses to forget our sins. How many of us hold on to our sins? How many of us dwell on the, on the mistakes we've made in the past? Instead of seeking God's forgiveness, repenting from those things, and turning from them. If God's forgotten, then why are we holding on to them? And it's a righteousness that is receiving that for ourselves. So the third thing we see here is, is then I self. Right? We need to see ourselves, the world, and Jesus more clearly. 
right? What was one of the main problems the Laodiceans had? They thought they were rich. They thought they were fully clothed. They thought they had everything they needed, but they were truly poor, wretched, blind, and naked. You see, we need to see ourselves more clearly. We all have our own blind spots, and we don't see ourselves, especially our sin, the way that we should. But we need to see ourselves clearly, and that's what God's Word does for us. In James 1, it talks about how how God's Word is like a mirror that we can look into and see ourselves more clearly. And he says, you know, we can, we can see our, our blemishes. We can see the parts of us that aren't in line with God's will. And then we need to do something about it, right? We need to see ourselves more clearly so that we can respond with repentance and trust and faith. God has given us his word so that we can truly understand our sinfulness and therefore recognize our need for him. But God also puts people in our lives to, to help us see ourselves more clearly. That's why being a part of a church family, being a part of a, a small group of believers that can pray for each other and read scripture together and, and challenge one another is so important. Because God will use his people to build us up and help us to see ourselves more clearly. So that's what we need. We need, we need gold refined with fire. We need white clothes to cover ourselves. And we need ourselves to see ourselves in the world in the way that we should. But the question is, how do we get there? Jesus says that, that the Father disciplines us. And we, should, we need to remember that discipline is ultimately a good thing. Right? Discipline and rebuke are signs of God's loving kindness towards us. A good father disciplines his children because he wants them to be better. He wants them to avoid harm. He wants to help them succeed and mature. So really to not discipline a child is to not love them. Because love is wanting the best for someone. Sometimes, and sometimes the way for them to, to have what's necessary and good for them is to turn away from wrong behavior right and wrong attitudes and 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 correct those things and that's what god does for us through scripture uh, through the fellowship of believers through circumstances in our lives god is using those things to teach us and to correct us so that we can be drawn back to him and then jesus is saying he stands at the door and knocks and it's what a beautiful picture. And what I'm so glad, Carolyn, to use that example today because that's such a great example of what is going on here in this passage. That, that painting, if you haven't seen it for yourself, it just takes a quick Google image search to find it. Jesus standing at the door and knocking, and there is no handle there because he is waiting for us to open the door. So Jesus is coming, and he's knocking, right? He's knocking, and he's trying to get our attention. Whether it's our circumstances, whether it's, tragic events in our lives or some other sort of life change like a birth of a child jesus is knocking and trying to get our attention and we need to be the ones to open the door and let him in and how do we do that we, we do it by trusting in him as our lord and savior it's a decision that we can make to open the door and enter into an ongoing relationship Right. When, we, when Jesus says that when we open the door, Jesus is going to come in. This isn't just a, a quick greeting, but he's going to come in and, and eat a meal with us. Right? And it's, a, it's a sign and symbol that Jesus wants more than, than our self-sufficient, lukewarm nature. 
He wants us to trust him with everything, and he wants us to have a relationship with him that goes beyond just uh, going through the motions and surface-level sort of commitment. He wants us to fully trust and serve him and align ourselves with his heavenly kingdom. It says the reward here for those who, who are victorious, those who, who turn away from, uh, from, from their self-sufficiency and their lukewarm nature is to know Christ and to experience the rule and reign of the kingdom of God. The kingdoms of this world will not last. I was just talking with someone in the office this week, and I won't mention them by name because I didn't know I was going to use them as a reference here, but we were talking about just the different kingdoms that that have gone through human history. If you look at just the story of God's people, you had Assyria, you had Babylon, you had Persia, you had Greece, you had Rome, all came and went. Even America someday is going to fade into the depths of human history. But God's kingdom is forever. God's kingdom will last. When this world is gone, God's kingdom will still be there. And so we need to align ourselves first and foremost with God's kingdom. Not be concerned about the things of this world. Not put our trust in the things of this world. But put our trust in God and God alone. I want to close by reading from Hebrews chapter 11. This is the great hall of faith uh, chapter, and this is what the author says about Moses. It says, By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. Church, that's what we are called to do as well. Not be obsessed or concerned about the things of this world, but to put the focus of our heart and minds of our lives on Jesus and on him alone, because he is our reward. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this day. I thank you that we uh, can hear clearly from your word this call to, to be committed to you, to trust you with everything, Lord. Help us to not be asleep and apathetic, but be a be. Lord, responsive to the call, to the knock, Lord, that you have, uh, that you are, you are using to try to get our attention. Lord, help us to surrender everything to you. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. As we close our service of worship this morning, uh, we're going to sing I Surrender All from number 366 in your blue hymnals. Let's sing the first two verses as we close our service today.
Now may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in you what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. You may go in peace. Since when?